This episode of The Concession Stand is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites. It's a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all of the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head on over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash popcorn to sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site and get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash popcorn, or just use the promo code popcorn at checkout for your first month free. And now, enjoy the show. You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and TV to consoles and video games, don't let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Welcome back to the Concession Stand Podcast, and if you're joining us for the first time, we are glad to have you on board for episode number 54. I'm Nick Howell, and sitting across from me, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I'm great. Uh, We went and saw Justice League at the Chinese Theater on Friday night, opening night. It was a big spectacle, big screen, lots of people there anxious to see Justice League. This is going to be one of our standalone reviews of that movie, complete with a... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> but first, uh, let's go ahead and crack a beer. Nick, I want to hear your initial thoughts. My initial thoughts of this film. <sighs> you know, I have to temper this. And okay. I, I want to say some preamble before we really get into this, if you don't mind. I don't. Um, we've, we've talked about something that I've referred to numerous times throughout this year and throughout the, the making of this show over the last year or more about blockbuster fatigue. Uh-huh. And I feel like that DC is playing a serious game of catch-up uh, to what Marvel has done over the course of 10-plus years and 17 films, with Thor Ragnarok being the 17th film. Couple that into with the dark and gloomy stuff of Zack Snyder, who they kind of bet big on in the beginning, and you came out of the Bale movies in the late 2000s and went straight into BVS after Man of Steel. Yep. Man of Steel wasn't that dark, but it was a little dark. It was pretty dark. It was pretty dark, but it wasn't BVS dark. So going down that path, there was a whole lot of mixed reviews that we've heard over the last five or six years about BVS, uh, about that kind of Snyder-esque landscape that was being set out in front of us. And this was set up to be no different. With the shakeup of Whedon coming in, which we're going to talk a lot about uh, throughout this review, there are definitely some big problems with this movie. Yes. Overall, um, I mostly felt like it was a forced, rushed, two-hour pounding over my head of, you're going to like this because it's cute and funny and snarky and these characters are cool and you're going to like them. And just, ah, It was a little bit of much, but I didn't hate it. I, ex- I went in going, this is going to suck. <laughs> yeah. I really did. A I, lot of I people went did. into it because I did read reviews. And I, I have told myself I wasn't going to do it, and then I started reading reviews. And then once I opened that can of worms, it was a big rabbit hole that I just went down of seeing what everybody, different takes, different perspectives. Some liked it. Some didn't. Some thought it was atrocious. So I went in skeptically optimistic. Skipper, 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 skipper. I, I did not enjoy it as much as I thought I would or I thought I could, which will highlight some reasons why later. Sure. But I didn't hate it. Um, strong B minus. 
Yeah. In that sense, there were definitely some things that, that we're going to talk about here that could have improved it. But given all of the exis, you know, existential circumstances that happened throughout the, the making of this film, uh, I, I, I kind of, I almost want to give it a pass. Like, all right, you know what? It's, there's a couple of excuses you've got that are valid. How about you? I, I agree with you on pretty much everything you said. I didn't read reviews ahead of time. I knew that this movie was going to be problematic from the moment we got in. When you switch directors, when you switch something in the middle of it and try to make sense of something, usually that doesn't work. In the case of Rogue One, it, it probably did. Um, in the case of the Han Solo movie that's coming up, it might. Um, but there is a drastic switch in tone between Snyder and Joss Whedon. And um, I have not been a huge fan of, of Snyder's takes on these characters, which I have grown up loving. I, I've admitted numbers of times on this show that I am a DC fan first. When My first favorite superhero when I was a kid was Superman. Then eventually it became Batman as I got older. So anytime you put these two characters on, and of course we didn't know if we were going to get Superman, whatever, um, I, I'm automatically going to be excited to see this movie and whatever comes of it. I liked Man of Steel. I liked parts of BVS. I had all kinds of problems with BVS, but there were glimpses of hope there that at least they had the right people playing these characters yep. and they were good interpretations of these characters. And you know, you and I disagree uh, wholeheartedly on Wonder Woman. I love that movie. And I love her as Wonder Woman. So I was excited to see all of these characters come together in one. And I got that. I left the movie liking it and wanting to see it again. But I also saw the transition from Snyder to Whedon in this movie. And it it felt like it was like, uh, instead of just like a, a movie for what it was, it felt like we saw the shift of the DC universe in this movie from doom and gloom to happy. And we'll get into that maybe a little bit later, but um, I, it also helped with the audience that I saw it with. I saw it with my wife, who is probably the biggest Superman fan that I know besides myself. I saw it with you. I saw it with my best friend, Brad, who is also a big Batman fan. You know, I couldn't have had a, a better group of people that love these characters to see it with on a grander screen and a bigger locale. So I'm automatically going in hoping that it's going to be good and it delivers exactly what I wanted and a little bit more. I was actually kind of surprised oh, how really? it ended up. I thought it was just going to be a train wreck. And I thought we were going to get a cliffhanger ending that doesn't set up anything and we have to wait for the next one. But I felt like this was a, a bit of a course correct uh, for DC. We watched it happen and, and unfortunately we had to to get through half of somebody else's movie and half of somebody else's movie to get there. So I'm, I'm going to stay, rather than skeptically optimistic, I'm just going to say optimistic, especially with what we saw in this movie. So um, I guess what we'd like to do real quick is talk about some facts. Um, if you've read anything in the rags, uh, we've read that it's a box office disappointment as far as the opening weekend and the three day take was something like 94 million, which is less than the wonder woman. 96. Sure. Okay. Uh, they had projected, and I don't know where these projections come from. They had projected 110 million. Um, Probably so based off Thor and wonder sure, woman opening weekends. or whatever they think pre sales of tickets are or who sure. knows. Right. I want to jump in here for a second because there's this thing about the, just the one number that they focus in on. And then you have to take into account the worldwide. Yeah. We've seen a trend, especially over this year of 60 plus percent mm -hmm. of a worldwide gross is coming from outside of the United States. Films like fast fate of the fury fat face to the fate, fate of the fate fury. of the foot. What transformers, <laughs> other big temple movies like the pirates, uh, 60 plus percent of their, uh, gross take is coming from outside of the United States. So I don't give much credence to this domestic take, yeah, on the opening weekend, and indirectly it can have an effect on what people go see because it gives the rags something to write about, and that's what people read, and they write shitty reviews based on those numbers. And 
It's all crap. But that goes back to our whole like, don't you know, lo- don't let somebody else's opinion or the numbers influence whether or not you want to go see a movie. I bought these tickets no matter what had happened. You had bought these tickets no matter yeah. what was going to happen. We were going to go see this no matter what. Not because we have a podcast, but because we want to see this movie. Right. But the last point I want to make here about the the weekend numbers is that it wasn't considered a um, uh, a disappointment because of the lack of because not hitting that target number. I think it was considered more of a disappointment because of the decline day over day. Sure. Of in a percentage perspective, so opening day they had a it had a great Friday night, and then Saturday it dropped almost twenty percent from the Friday benchmark, and then Sunday it dropped another twenty six twenty seven percent from that. So it wasn't an incline; it was a decline. And had it been like if you look at Thor, if you look at Wonder Woman, if you look at Logan and John Wick, those numbers go up over yeah. the course of the weekend because of that word of mouth. Sure. So that's to me where the disappointment comes from. Sure. And then the other thing they might not be taking into account is the fact that maybe people are waiting until the next week when nobody's working and they can go see it during Thanksgiving week. I mean, that could happen. Sure. And, uh, what are they up against? Coco? And Coco's the kid movie and maybe Justice League's the adult slash family. I don't but know. we're still in theaters I'm being too. Opti- yeah, and I'm being optimistic there as well. But while the while the numbers, uh, as far as you know, uh, old money bags from Monopoly are concerned, uh, while those may not be up to expectations, I've been reading that the cinema score, which is um, people coming out of a theater and talking to to whoever is giving some sort of score, the cinema score is as high as a B plus. Hmm. So that's saying while people probably are having the same opinions that I am, where they're like, well, you know, I just want to go see it, and like, oh, it was kind of cool. Yeah, it was cool to see what we saw, and maybe that's what it is. So I guess it's working for some people that go see it, and so I guess what we want to get right into is what's what worked for us. Yeah. So absolutely. what do you what worked for you? Well, I want to be clear that to me, this was a Superman movie disguised as a superhero movie, um, and the fact that. None of the marketing involved Superman at all, yet I'd argue three quarters of the film is in and around Superman and him saving the day. And the movie starts with the, them setting up the world without him. Yeah. So you know he has to come back at some point Picks and right in up some where way. BBS left off yeah. with him Which dying. is cool. Yeah, I liked the continuation nature of that, but you're, you, you sold me, you marketed me this gathering of heroes with no Superman after, because we needed to gather the heroes because Superman's gone. And then you spend two hours showing me a film where Superman, they revive him because the team's not good enough. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, ends up saving their ass. Right. This was a Superman movie. Yeah. And it should have been treated as such. And having the Justice League come in as an aside would have been a really cool approach to take. But I don't know that I needed to see them with the mother box, which we'll talk about later. Just, oh, God. To use that to revive Superman. I, I, I still don't know why in the marketing. I mean, we all knew he was coming back. We've been saying this for weeks. You know, Cavill saying, like, I had to do this thing. And we had the whole thing with Henry Cavill's mustache. And that was a big deal. Like, when the reshoots. Like, we know he's in it. So why don't you show us something, like, some sort of glimpse of, like, a flowing red cape or some sort of tease of him being in it or him flying past the screen really fast, you know, and, like, some of these, like, the buttons on these old trailers. They should, they should make the marketing about this movie the fact that the league unites and he's coming back. And I feel like had people known that, whether or not they, I mean, they knew it, but if they had seen a glimpse of that, that would have probably brought more people back to the theaters. Because here's the thing. When he comes back in this movie, he is Superman. Yes. Not, not Zack Snyder Superman. He is Superman, all powerful. He's, he's got uh, um, his heroic leadership qualities. He's funny. He's really powerful and he uses powers that we had like we never seen him use freeze breath before he uses freeze breath in this he uses night vision he uses speed uh it, it, it's all of all of the and he it's the superman we've been wanting to see that superman we finally got him i didn't even know cavill could play it like that and he did and once he does i mean even my wife's like yeah when he shows up and i was all like giddy when he shows up and you don't 
want it to end once he gets there, but it does quickly. The other part of this for me was um, there was really good banter between the teams, yes. which reeked of Whedon. Yeah, um, it it just it felt very Avengersy uh, from what he's contributed over there. So that was one of the elements that I thought this kind of the setup, setup punchline, yeah. sm- snarky jokes and things like that, and all of that banter amongst the heroes was very well done. And that's one of his, I mean, that's one of his strengths, right? I mean, he's good at bringing characters and large groups of characters together and having them all work off each other. Firefly, Avengers, all of that stuff. Buffy, that's his sort of bread and butter. And he knows this, this universe too. It's not like he's just a Marvel guy. He's a comic book guy. So getting him getting to play in this, in this universe is probably a really good thing. And and like you said, you can definitely see when, when the Whedon stuff shows up. Um, What did you think of J.K. Simmons showing up as Gordon and having absolutely nothing to do? Loved him as Gordon. Wondered why he's not in Batman v Superman as Gordon. Why don't we see him until now? But it's not like, but okay, there's a perfect example. You don't even have to set him up. There's Commissioner Gordon, flips the switch, bat signal, and he's, you know. Well, we didn't need 30 minutes of origin story on how he became Commissioner Gordon. (laughs) No, we didn't. No, but... it works. Oh wait, we've great. got a whole TV series called Gotham that's doing that. <laughs> true, right? true, but, but that yeah. will become a running theme. Yeah, but I mean, it's great. I wanted to see more of him doing Jim Gordon-y stuff, and maybe they'll do that in a separate Batman movie, with or without Ben Affleck. We'll see. Definitely want more of J.K. Simmons as Gordon. Do you see any issues with him being J. Jonah Jameson and uh, Commissioner Gordon? No, on the two different universes. No, because it's because he was Jameson in the Sam Raimi universe, and yeah. that doesn't matter to me either. Really, okay. it's like he's a great actor. He's a good character. He plays Gordon well. I'm always going to be partial to uh, Gary Oldman, but this works too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was another thing where uh, the Elfman score, we wanted to talk about this quite a bit. So excited. Uh, you've been holding off on listening to it. Did you finally listen to it over the weekend? On the way home, on the way, ho- on the way over to here. When I was going to go home, and then I was like, we got to talk about this movie. So I raced over here afterwards, and we, we sort of pre-wrote this show uh, the other night right after seeing it. So, Well, um, we we're going to record this right afterwards, and I just said, I just, I can't. I, there's too much to digest here. I need the weekend to just really get wrap my head around everything I've just seen in the last two hours. So um, some highlights of the Elfman score. There were moments where I heard the old Christopher Reeves Superman, or the original very, John Williams. Very, very, very tiny bit. Yes, very tiny bit. I did hear the original Elfman uh, Batman theme. Of course, of course he went. Oh, a number I, of times. Chill bumps. Yep. Gooseys, right? Yep. But there was no actual... Uh, I didn't notice it. There's did not. you notice, or There's is not. there on the original soundtrack, an actual Justice League theme no. like there is for Avengers? No, there isn't, and that surprised me. And I wonder if it's because he got this this movie in so many probably different pieces as they were cutting up to the last minute more than likely because you can tell because some of the cg shots are so bad that they yeah. didn't really get it they were racing up against this release date and cutting it down to two hours that i don't know if you ever saw like a finished complete movie i wonder if he just saw it in pieces and had to write certain pieces i i can't speak to that it's maybe in an article somewhere but yeah there is no justice league theme and it feels like there should be yeah. maybe we'll get into the next one if there is a next one i think there will be um each character definitely has their own heroic moment save one uh, throughout this film, we see some things with Flash and him recognizing his powers. Uh, Batman gives him the the word of advice of just save one. Yeah, and he goes and he gets he brings it back and he gets it and he's like oh huh. and there's this moment where he smiles and runs back in and gets starts getting everybody great fantastic. Um, I but Batman Batman never really had anything to do other he, than get beat up all the time. He get beat up and then he went to find everybody on his horse 
Uh, <laughs> in the begin- first 45, almost an hour of the film was all these little... Same complaint I had about Suicide Squad, if you guys remember. They spent the first half of the movie on these little mini origin story vignettes for each of these characters as Bruce Wayne is going out and trying to find all of them. And Diana yep. and Wonder Woman. So, oh, what a waste. This is such a big conversation that we're going to have and we're going to save for another episode. But it's... We didn't need no, we didn't need the, it. all of this origin story stuff, right? Didn't need it. Um, we're talking about what worked. So, uh, oh, okay. but uh, but yeah, um, I guess the banter between them, uh, the Bruce Diana relationship, is really great. How they they agree, yeah, disagree, and especially when it comes to whether or not to bring Superman back. That's I felt like that would have had. That's a conversation that would have happened in in the comic universe and the characters that we knew. Ezra Miller plays the flash like the flash is kind of like he's kind of like a peter parker in in the in the dc universe where he's kind of like the jokester yeah and and has a lot of fun with it and ezra miller just steals this movie i he mean totally did he every time he it's just great because he he gives you that perspective like oh man this is so cool like if you were there and caught in the middle of this my only complaint about that i know we're talking about things that work but my only complaint about that is he, so he's got this flash suit that he's built but apparently he's never used it what when well think about it when batman goes to pick him up and he throws the, the battering at him. He's like, what's that suit of it? He's like, oh, I built it. And then this. And like, it's not like Tony Stark built him that suit. He's got this flash suit. And he's never used the powers to like help people. He's never gone to save people in this suit that we know of. Right? So is is this the first time he's used this suit in this movie? It, I don't know. They, they didn't they, really It's a kind of a thing that. they kind of leave. Uh, so maybe that didn't work. But um, <laughs> um, uh, what about, I know you're not a, a huge fan of Gal Gadot. Did she redeem herself for you in this one? A or? little bit. A little bit. Uh, she did take an acting class between Wonder Woman and <laughs> and um, Justice League, so there I did see some improvements. It's not. It, she's. I know she's everybody's Wonder Woman, and everybody. I'm in the very small minority of people that really didn't like that film, but it's yeah, uh, it's better than her performance in Wonder Woman. You actually got to see her have dialogue, emote, feel like she was invested in the story. All of those things, and there was, you could see her getting angst and frustrated and all of that stuff in this film. She, she's still not my number one pick for who I think should be Wonder Woman, but it's kind of one of those things where it, it, it's going to be her. It, going forward, it's going to be her. It's not like we're, gonna, we're swapping Batmans around left and right every decade, uh, but it's going to be her for the foreseeable future being Wonder Woman, and I need to learn to accept that. And I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where I, I think that they could have cast somebody better, and I've ran on endlessly about that over the over the course of this year so i won't bore you guys with that anymore but her performance wasn't terrible in yeah, this movie i loved it i thought it was a great continuation from what she did in the in the uh, standalone movie um the other thing that we saw that i really liked was the in the button and they kind of do it in the movie itself a little bit but the who's faster the flash or superman and they really had fun with that yeah. and that's like a, that's like a big thing in the comics there were like comics dedicated to like like let's who would win in a race because wouldn't you want to know who would win in a race and we get to see a little bit of that in the movie, but then there's a button at the end that's just that just really uh, has a lot of fun with that particular thing. Well, now, there, was, there was a thing between Flash and Superman where they were going to save as many as they could. So Flash <laughs> gets a truck with yeah. like three people and it starts pushing it. Yeah. Cut away to Superman flying away with an apartment building. <laughs> yeah. uh, so stuff like that, very Whedon, uh, very lighthearted and goofy and silly just to take away some of the, the, the depth of the story. But that stuff like that is, is what makes superhero movies fun i want to see superheroes being superheroes yes i don't want to see them wallowing in their humanized stuff i want to see them using their abilities yeah we're the people that are supposed to be wallowing in our humanized stuff and they're supposed to be heroes for us i agree i agree so the whole superman versus flash element i think 
you know, you can almost spin it off like they're talking about spinning off a, a Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham movie from Fast and the Furious. I could almost see them having their own. Sure. Especially as if the lore already exists from the comic world, they could certainly spin that off into these side projects. So. Worked for Thor and Hulk just recently, didn't it? It sure did. Well, hey, that's the stuff that worked for us. Let's move over and talk about <laughs> my favorite part, which is the things that, you know, what didn't work for this movie. Uh, I started out with this one Andy I'll let you start out with what didn't work for you well to me the glaring omission from this movie is 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 on the villain side yes we have the Steppenwolf villain and we'll talk about him in a second but you set up Lex Luthor in the Batman v Superman thing and he's pulling all the strings of something else and something's coming remember when we're leaving him in in the at the end of Batman v Superman yeah well, we don't even see him in this movie until the button in the middle of the credit or the end of the credits, very right? End. Very end. Um, so he has not like, how do you have a Justice League movie without Lex Luthor? And apparently we've read stuff that he's been cut out and maybe he was a part of this and maybe he knew about the mother boxes and they kind of hint at that a little bit when you see inside his cell uh, in this movie that the three mother boxes are, they show them on the wall in there, I think. Huh, um, okay. So he's aware of this and maybe he's a part of it or I don't know, but like that to me seems like a very big missed opportunity and whether we liked Eisenberg as Luther, which neither of us did. Not really. You can't have a movie with Superman and the Justice League without having Lex Luthor. He's always the sort of brains, the human brains behind the operation to bring all these people down. Yes, he hates Superman, but he's always been able to like skirt away from those guys too. So how do you not have him? And how do you not at least have some sort of glimpse of Darkseid? We've talked about all the uh, the New World people and the boom tubes we're showing of how Steppenwolf gets down, and that's all coming from Apocalypse. And our Darkseid is like this... like. Uh, threat like kind of like a Thanos but at least we see glimpses of Thanos in these other movies on the Marvel side like I would have liked to have seen just something that says Dark Side's coming well I think there was one of the big things that didn't work for me in this was kind of the absence of a a stakes yeah stakes is something you're going to hear me talk about probably over the course of the rest of the year um, as we continue through these episodes because it's something that I've kind of clocked on to as What's wrong with movies in general uh, is stakes, things that you have stand to lose, things that you're up against, whatever that is. And in this movie, it was one of the weakest parts of the movie for me was Steppenwolf or his hand-drawn cartoon, terrible CGI thing. Oh, man, it's terrible. And this concept of mother boxes. I have no idea what... Oh, it's the great, powerful mother box. And when all three get together, they, they destroy the world and... Huh? Uh, okay, fine. Mother boxes, Steppenwolf. I still didn't really care. Like you said, something needed to either be driving them, like a dark side, or I needed Lex Luthor in there somehow manipulating things to be the ultimate villain, and he gets away at the last second. Like and he wants them for some reason because yes. of their ultimate power. Yeah, yes. totally. So th- that would there was this absence of, and, and when you don't have stakes like that, the ultimate fall down when you don't have stakes in a movie is that nobody gives a shit. And you're left with basically just hoping that all the friends get along and they make jokes <laughs> and there's little tropes about their characters and things, little wink-winks about each of the things that they do. And that's kind of where Justice League fell down for me, is that we were left with that without any real stakes uh, to do with Steppenwolf and the mother box. Yeah, you never, see, you never see a waitress at a restaurant being threatened by the fact that the mother boxes exist in this movie. Sure. The only human people that we see ever threatened by these mother boxes are the that family in that Russian like house that yeah. is in the middle of wherever the third box is right right 
and we don't really care about them so much because it's only like three or four people. If this is going to have like world stakes like they want us to think, this needs to be large armies of people running away from something like Godzilla, you know, and we need to see terror of uh, and we need to see the Justice League come in and save the day. That's how this should have been. Um, but the mother box thing, it's it's to me, it's the it's the very same thing as as Lord of the Rings. Like there's the one ring that's got all this power. We don't know what it does, but if the bad guy gets it, we don't like the CG bad guy Sauron in this or 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 um, Steppenwolf in this case. It's kind of a MacGuffin. It's going to be bad. We promise you. We're not going to show you how, but it's going to be bad. But in Lord of the Rings, they actually show you how it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And there's a fellowship or league of people that go to stop it. So the basics of that story are there. The execution is wrong. I couldn't agree more there, and and you know me, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, so that's one that I, we could spend an hour breaking down <laughs> yeah. what the the different elements between these two are, and the reason that it took 13 hours worth of film to deliver that story versus cramming what you just described into a two-hour format, rough cut, direct, sure. whatever, if you want to call it that. It was purposely cut down. You guys may or may not remember, listeners. Uh, there was a huge turmoil earlier this year that we did talk about on this show about the initial announcement that Justice League was going to have a two-hour and 45-minute runtime. Yeah, Everybody lost their minds for some reason because a month later, Wonder Woman came out, and it was two hours and 35 minutes. So, And we've had plenty of those movies. It's Two and a half hours has kind of become the new normal. And what's wrong with that? As long I, as the I, story's good. What happens when people do that is you have studios that say, two hours, no more. Hard stop. That's what happened. That's what happened. That's what happened. And that's why we got such a condensed supercut of all of these kind of little scenes. It feels like it's a rush to the end and it shouldn't. And it shouldn't right when we're starting to enjoy what we're seeing when Superman comes back, it feels like it's like up. You only got 30 minutes left. Got to wrap it up. Go, 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 go. And that's not what we wanted. I'd rather have two hours of Superman coming back and this big battle. I, that's what I, that's what I would would have preferred. Show me the two minute. A, show me the yeah. two minute Justice League trailer that says Aquaman's in it, Flash is in it. Okay, you know who they are, and go. That's what it should have been. I there better be a three hour director's cut. That's all I got to say I, because I hope, I hope, I know all of that stuff is shot. I know it's out there. I, I know, know it exists. I don't know if they'll do it. It just because of I mean. There's the whole there's the whole uh, the Superman the black costume that was probably shot. I mean they have hats that they sold of it they made action figures of it like there was a there was a moment when superman came back and he was probably dark superman or black superman for like a long time and they had to figure out a way to get him back but i think they realized look, we're, we're not even going to go there we're just going to make him happy superman because we want happy movie and and there you go so yes is that does that stuff exist will we ever see it i doubt it i can't imagine that we'll ever see it because of more snyder less whedon or more whedon less snyder and there's there's got to be some sort of weird gray area of what we want to show you what we want you to know what we don't want you to know I don't know. We'll see. Well, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting discussion right there. So there was some definitely some elements of you could see between Snyder and Whedon in those parts. Oh. What, were, what were some of the ones that stood out for you? Well, anytime it's light or bright, you know it's Whedon. Anytime <laughs> okay. it's dark, you know it's, it's Snyder. And it's, like, it's a clear difference when yeah. there are scenes that are just lighting or bright or they're not. Anytime that there is uh, a hero CG'd in front of something that is, looks like a video game, definitely Snyder. Um, there are a lot of you could tell that a lot of the scenes that they probably added were shot in like small spaces like there's a scene between um, Lois Lane and and uh, Diane Lane um, Clark's mom in like a like a daily planet like coffee room which is just would be an easy thing to shoot and you wouldn't have to build like a big set or anything but just to get that dialogue out which again dialogue has never been Snyder's strong point but the um, the stuff on the on the farm where she's talking to Clark we got a glimpse of that in that trailer they're just horribly lit and horribly like everything's rushed. 
So you could tell when things are rushed, even if you're not like a uh, a cinephile or understand how this works. They're so jarring in the, in the like the 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 change in the light and the look of things. You can just tell that this is a reshoot. Not yeah. to mention the whole you can tell when Superman's flying around and he's got a mustache CG'd out. <laughs> you mentioned Lois Lane. I want to talk about that for a second. Um, it, she felt completely unnecessary in this film, and other than her being kryptonite pun intended yeah uh for for superman to be good again right but instead that was a- of being evil soups but all of the other stuff with her struggling as a writer and she wasn't ready to come back yet and at the daily planet and just all, just completely wasted time in my opinion to me that also goes against the strong character of lois Agreed. lane lois lane would be like and she even says it to him like i wasn't i wasn't how you how i should have been clark i was i was afraid and lost or whatever the hell she says but like that's not lois lane lois lane would have been like i'm going to figure this out i got she would have been out there with with Affleck trying to figure out how to get him back. That's the way that Lois Lane would have been, but not in this movie. Um, Do you want to know why? But the, Well, real quick. Because this was a Superman movie. Exactly. But the other thing where we said, like, Batman didn't get to really be Batman, like, he never had, like, that outsmarting moment where, like, he would be like, aha, what about this? And you're like, oh, Batman would think of that. The only time we ever got that was when he's like, I'm going to bring in the big guns if this doesn't work when we when, when we exhume Superman, by the way. Yeah. So let's get this straight. They, they're going to dig up Clark Kent's body, right? And they'll bring Superman back to life. So at a certain point in this movie, we get a glimpse of Clark Kent with the glasses on. Like it's either like uh, it's either he's working at the Daily Planet or not. They never really make that clear. How do they explain that? How do they explain the fact that like all of those people that work at the Daily Planet that don't know that he's Superman buried Clark Kent? They were at his funeral, <laughs> and now he's back. How do hey, they explain guys, that? Just kidding. Uh, I, I don't get that. Uh, that that didn't work for me. No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to say I don't care. I I I go to watch Superman be Superman. Yeah. I don't, all of the things that are going on around the Daily Planet and Clark Kent and that it's it's fun and tropey, but I I, I don't care. I, I just I want to see Superman saving the day. Yeah, and that's what it really comes down to. And we did, and that's what that's why that's why we liked the movie. We got to see that eventually, but it took us a second to get there. Um, we a couple of quick things that we've already hinted at. One that was the rush to the two hour mark, and the other one is too much setup and origin stories of characters that we've. Uh, we clearly know who these people are. So yeah. I wanted to take a moment to discuss maybe why they aren't using the CW series of Flash specifically to ba- already just say, hey, you want to know more about Flash? Go watch this se- three seasons of Flash that's over there. Yeah, I, While I like Ezra Miller as the Flash, you, I mean, it would have been just fine with, with Grant Gustin in there and you yeah. have all those people in there. And if they, if they exist or coexist in this universe, and maybe Gotham's not a part of it, the show, but... The Arrowverse and the Flash. I don't see why they why they can't intermingle. That doesn't make any sense to me. And then, do we really need a Flash origin story? Not no, really. we just know he's the fast guy. Do we need an Aquaman story? Like, well, he's not the blonde haired guy that talks to fish. It's kind of an idiot. He's a bro, right? And so, but he swims and he can swim really fast. That I don't think they glossed on or they overglossed was the him swimming to Atlantis for the first time ever. We just kind of like, oh, there's Mira, and then that's it, and then we're out of there. I would have liked to have seen more of that. Maybe we'll get more of that in the Aquaman movie, but. There's there's a lot to be learned there about Aquaman that that he's, he's not just a bro that you know drinks and throws glass bottles into the ocean which is not very ocean like if you're whatever but um, <laughs> I think the perfect way to introduce him <laughs> would have been the scene down in the sewers where he comes in he decides to join up yeah and he comes flying in through the water and stops the water as they crawl up out of the thing I think that would have been a great way perfect. to introduce That's him a really good idea without having to do all of without having to have Batman ride a freaking horse. <laughs> Through the mountain, and then twenty minutes later, he's in the Batwing. Right. 
through the mountains of wherever the hell he was to find uh, uh what was his name? I don't even remember fucking Aquaman's name. Arthur Curry. Arthur Curry. All of that was just so unnecessary. And we've this is going to be a bigger discussion next week when we talk about kind of the state of the superhero movies. Do we need origin stories anymore? And I, I think with this one, we've kind of come to the agreement that we don't need them anymore. We know who these people are in fantasy lore to an extent. And if not, that's why Wikipedia is out there. You know, go look them up if you don't know who the people are. So I think in summation, as far as the good and bad, we both agree that it, the movie's a mess. But yeah. but we're actually watching this sort of this sort of transition. We can both agree on that. We like where it ended up, um, especially with the the button with um, I guess I guess we'll go right into where does it go from here. Okay, sure. So and and we could start that with the button at the very end. We see Luthor. He's escaped from Arkham and he's on a yacht. And suddenly, uh, Deathstroke, uh, Slade Wilson, not the one from the Arrow universe, but Joe Meganinimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimanimaniman
um, there was talk of whether or not the Flash standalone movie would that was going to be based on the success of this movie. I want to see a Flash standalone movie, but I want to see a Flash standalone movie where Superman shows up every now and then. You know, kind of like Spider Man with Iron Man showing up. Yeah, kind of like that. That's that's what they should really. Maybe it's not that they shouldn't try to carbon copy the the MCU, and that's how we got to where we are in the first place because they tried to rush everything like we've talked about. But they could certainly take things that worked for those from that universe and probably stick it into this and make it work just fine. So. It's still the characters that I love. They're still the characters that you love. This movie ends and it, it gives me like the justice league should as a whole gives me a sense of hope. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my take on it. Um, do we trust Whedon since he's done the Avengers stuff? Do we now trust him with the DC stuff? Is Snyder gone for good out of the, the comic movies? I feel like he's gone. I feel it's, it's such a slippery slope to, to tread there because part of you has to wonder if um if what happened in his personal life was just it's just going to sound wrong it's horrible timing for for that to happen to yeah. anybody but in a weird way it's sort of like it was it was what the, uh, the DC universe needed and how can you ever say that about the loss of a human life and so that's i don't even know why i'm saying this but in a way uh the fact that Whedon was brought in to maybe um steer the ship in a different direction uh kind of helps out and i i don't know if if or what Snyder's deal was and if he is allowed to continue or if he will continue or if he wants to continue, he's gone on record and saying he hasn't even seen this movie um, because he, these are characters that he loved and he just couldn't bear to let it go. So I don't know if there's any sort of bad blood there, but um, I, I do. I, I hope he's not involved um, in okay. this and, and, and I hope it stays more fun and happy like we just got. So that's what I'll say about that. Well, I want to follow this up and kind of close things out here with a discussion around, are we excited to see more, obviously more Justice League stuff, yes, of the assembled team, but of the individual characters? We've already said we don't need more origin story stuff, so do we really need a Flash movie? Are they just going to turn that into yet another origin story thing when we've already got the series? Batman? Batman, for me, had shit to do in this movie other than stand around and assemble the team, and then he just got his ass kicked because he isn't really a superhero. So I, where do we go from here? Are we going to get another Batman trilogy that is going to retell yet another origin story of something? Well, according to the the rags, uh, Matt Reeves is not going to be a prequel story or an origin story, or we don't know what it's going to be. And we don't know if Affleck's going to be involved. So let's take all that out of the, out of the equation. If you're asking me, what I would like to see is more of the um, Batman Superman interaction. Some of the best stories in DC comics, in my opinion, are when uh, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne work together as Superman and Batman. Because if you think about those two characters, they're the opposite of each other, but they're really, really good friends because of it. So Batman's the negative Nelly and Superman's the all power, like in Superman's the oh. all boy scout and, yeah. and they, they play off of each other very well. And and I'd like to see them explore that. Like that's just even that little stuff they did at the end, where like he buys the farm or he bought the bank. You know, it's like you bought the bank. Like Clark's navy's like, but it's also bad. You know, it, like yeah. I want more of that. I want more of the play between the two of them as and and um, developing their friendship and the friendship that they also have with Diana as well, who's you know the the, the Trinity. She's sort of the the motherly voice of the two of them, and, and you know, like boys, stop fighting, like the, yeah. that kind of stuff. I want to see that um, regarding the Flash. Do they need to do a standalone movie? I'd like to see a standalone movie with Ezra Miller as the Flash, um, but at the same time, I don't know if he could carry a whole movie without, like I said, without Superman or somebody else with him to to sort of offset that. Um, Cyborg is an interesting one because 
he's a really powerful and a really cool character. And he's a character that could be used really well because of all of his um, technology based powers. Cybernetic organism. Yes. And in, in, in today's world, the cyborg could be a really cool villain. And it could be if they decide to ever bring Brainiac into this. Um, oh yeah. Cinematic, about him. He could be a really good foil for him. Um, I like the cyborg from the teen Titans, like cartoons. He's more of like a playful fun. And they even said like, he even says booyah at the end of the movie. And that's kind of his, like his little trademark saying, and I'd like to see him, and apparently with the reshoots, they tried to do this. I'd like to see him be a little bit more fun. I mean, all these characters should be fun. They're superheroes. They shouldn't be all brooding. Like, leave that for, I don't know, leave that for John Wick. Um, well, speaking of brooding, Aquaman. We, we, get, we can't not talk about Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Yeah, did, was- you, did you enjoy this kind of bro portrayal of Aquaman? Because as we grew up with the cartoons and super best friends and all that stuff, it was this guy in an orange and green suit with blonde hair, that rode around with dolphins. Yeah, and that's the that's the sixties, seventies. You know, we need an orange color in the in the comic book. Um, so I, I think, and I was very hesitant to the whole like, my man. You know, like yeah, you know, like as, as Aquaman. I'm like, that, what the hell is that? But as as the movie progresses and you start to see more of like when he starts to make his turn and not be all you know uh, rough and tumble Aquaman, he actually has some heart. And then you also get to see just how powerful the dude is. He's a god, you yeah. know, and. I want to see an Aquaman movie and see what happens like with him, Black Manta or who knows, you know, like I'm, I'm okay with that. That guy has enough charisma in like his left finger than, than that it could carry a movie all by itself. Absolutely. Well, to close things out here, guys, uh, Andy, let's, even though we may have already said some of these things, let's reiterate what were, what was your kind of overall take of this film? I know we both have said we want to go see it again, but you know, given everything we've talked about, is this, what, what are your final thoughts? To me, that's just it. The fact that I immediately want to see more of these characters, that I want to go see this movie again, instead of walking out of Man of Steel or out of Batman v Superman and scratching my head and being like, no, wait, what were they trying to do there with this? Yeah, we had those elements at the beginning of this movie, but by the time we get to the end, you're like, oh, show me more, show me more. They're going to build the Justice League Tower. I want to see more. I want to see more. And that's where we needed to get to. It just took us this mess of a movie to get there. Meanwhile, back at the yeah. Hall of Meanwhile, Justice. Yeah. We, I, we have to have that, yeah. by the way. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. Uh, no, that's that <laughs> wrong thing. Um, my final thoughts on this are: uh, I'm happy I didn't hate it, and I think as you outlined with the circumstances surrounding Snyder and Whedon and everything that happened—the good and the bad—I uh, think it was about as good as they could do working with what they had. And I kind—I give them a little bit of a pass yeah. on some of the things that I had problems with. That said. No excuses anymore, Warner Brothers. Yeah. You've got your BVS out there. You've got your Wonder Woman tentpole now. And you've got your Justice League team movie out there. No more excuses anymore. You've got a fresh slate. You get a fresh start. You've got, you, you've got already potentially five movies you could go make in the next eight years. Don't mess it up. Don't F it up. Because you're sitting on something that could be the next Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've had for the last 10 plus years at this point. And you've got a arguably more heroes in the DC universe more well known too. more well known to, to work with so don't F it up <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm going to say well guys that's our review there you go that's our review of Justice League Yay. the movie uh, next week we're going to talk we're going to go down a little bit deeper into this because it is so much part of our culture of pop culture I should say in today's day and age we're going to talk about the state of the superhero movie and it's going to be related to a lot of the things that we've talked about throughout the course of this year. And, you know, it's 
we need to talk about what's going on there. Is it? Is it? Are, are, have we oversaturated at this point? Yes. Are, are, do we need origin stories anymore? Things like that. Those are the kinds of things we're going to talk about, and whether or not we need to see them anymore. We're fans of them, but is 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 the general movie going public tired of it? We're going to explore that. And what are the side effects of continuing to finance these $200 million big blockbuster movies? There's some inadvertent side effects to those kinds of things. So we're going to go over all of that kind of stuff next week and much, much more. So digest your turkey and be ready to digest a longer discussion about the state of the superhero movies coming next week on the concession stand. Well, guys, if you like this review, you can head over to facebook.com slash concession stand. Like our page over there. Let us know what you think. You can also find us on Twitter at Concession Stand. Uh, you can also we're also doing Black Friday sales this week, by the way, oh, for our merchandise nice. store. So head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store and you can find deals on t-shirts and coffee mugs, phone cases and stickers, all kinds of goodies over there. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. And if you like what we're doing here, we would love your support and we'd love to do it some more. So head over to patreon.com slash concession stand, throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar, sign up to do your very own stone cold salute here with me and Andy. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at data center dude. And I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me at Andy Nelson 76 also on Twitter. But until next time later. Bye. This show is part of the orbital jigsaw network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.